Hi there, and welcome back to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Deutsch. Thanks for joining us for part two of episode nine, where we jump back in on the career of Luke Gale, Leeds Rhinos Challenge Cup hero, and of course, England's World Cup final scrum half. But don't forget to stick with me for many more Sporting Lives episodes as well. Already up there, if you're a rugby league fan, Francis Cummins, uh, former referee Stuart Cummins, and still to come as well very soon is former Rhinos and England hero Danny Maguire. So plenty on there for league fans, League United fans, well catered for as well, Brian Dean, uh, along with uh, Eddie Gray and Nigel Martin. And if you haven't checked out the cricket stuff, Anthony McGrath, former Yorkshire skipper and, of course, now successful head coach at Essex and uh, the first black cricketer to play for England in the form of Roland Butcher. Uh, some crackers up there, plenty more to look forward to as well. But let's jump back in now on episode nine, part two. And here's Luke Gale talking about his time with the Castleford Tigers. So Cass, and this is where Luke Gale becomes the, the big star because, you know, you've done the rounds at a couple of other clubs. Of, of, well, one transition, one's starting to struggle. Castleford, on the other hand, are going on an upward curve uh, when you arrive. I think you're a key part of, of that rise, um, as is the coach, Daryl Powell. I mean, we're talking about the, the several coaches you've worked with. Uh, he's got to take a lot of credit for what's happened uh, down Weldon Road. 100%, yeah. I, I do, throughout my career, it's probably something we can touch on after. I do think I've been lucky with the coaches I've had. I mean, we didn't mention Ellery Anley. I, I got coached by Ellery at, at Doncaster. Uh, and I do feel throughout my career, I've took lots from each coach and, and Pauli, how, it, how it, that, this deal come about. I remember Craig again, um, Craig uh, Harrison, he got the deal. He said, look, you'll be a great fit for Castleford. I remember watching them that year, 2014. They got to the Challenge Cup final, playing some great rugby. Um, and I'd, so I'd already been watching. Um, I, I met Pauli. Um, I don't know when it was, but I met him before I signed sort of thing. And um, it, we had an hour talking rugby. And I remember coming out of that, I met him at his house, coming out of the meeting and said, look, um, this is, a, I, I want to sign here um, within a second. And I think the deal were done probably next day. Um, and yeah, it, it, was just, it was just fantastic. And I think I got asked this question actually the other day, what was it that changed? Uh, is it you as a player getting better? I think I went in, I was playing with better players, and I think, but I just think Pauli's system and and the system that they had, it would just it opened my eyes and I was like, this is how you meant to play rugby, counting numbers and realizing what I needed to do to manipulate this defense and what vision were in front of me, and I think Pauli. It, it kind of just everything just clicked and uh, Cass and Pally are a massive part of that. Do you want to just elaborate on that for, for those of us who, who are not in the training sessions or on the field with you? And we don't quite, we're talking about like, counting numbers and, and how that yeah. organisation is compared to where you've played before. Yeah, I just think it's understanding of the game. And look, there's 13 players on a pitch. There's two markers and one fullback. So that leaves 10 in a line. Uh, and wherever you land on a field, say, as easy as they land it on a 50%, a 20% or a, uh, an 80%, whatever, however you want to break it down, there'll be a certain amount of defenders in them spaces. And how you manipulate them with 
with um, with your attackers. And look, it's simple as they might have four from a near post, and um, they got it, it. Got me thinking and got me playing a different way to what I'd ever played before. And if you've got they've got four defenders, we're going to go with five defenders, and it's a it, it's a it's a mismatch. We're always going to have an overlap if we run the right play. So it's we could speak for ages and get real detailed about about yeah. that, but it's just got me it, it got me playing a different way and um, Castleford success and uh, and all that what were down to kind of the um, the style in which they played and it, it, it was fantastic it, it was fantastic and it, I, I know it suited my game uh, to perfection and that's where um, the, the next few years I, I really kicked on as a player you were signed what, to, to replace Mark Sneed, I think he yeah. was just moving on um, at the time. So I'm not sure how that all dovetailed, whether he did or he indicated he was going or whether it was a case of you were available and then he went as a result of that, but you probably know. Um, but fairly quickly, you've already been given that responsibility of, of being the acting skipper because I think Mickey Shenton got injured, didn't he? Uh, maybe second yeah, season I think- there. Well, that that might have been next season, I think. Yeah. I think. I think that might have been sixteen, but fifteen. We had a real good year. We, um, I think, we finished fifth twice, just not quite getting to. Um, I think fifteen and sixteen, we finished just out. Uh, and same again, you'd be able to beat the bigger team, but not on a consistent basis. Uh, and and the team w- w- were going fantastic. Teamed up with Donnie again. I remember Michael Shenton having a big impact. Um, at start, the, the whole start of the cast, I remember playing the first four games. It wasn't all playing swimming, to be fair. I remember, I think round four, we got pumped by St. Helens. And uh, we had a bit of a, a meeting after the game. And uh, I kind of, I, I think I said, I'm struggling with the way you're wanting me to play. Um, so it wasn't all, I, I kind of missed that part out. It wasn't all, um, playing sailing before and I was struggling with what they wanted me to do because I was used to playing in front of line and, and dominating that. But at Castleford, if you the likes of Grant Miller and Ads Milner, you play behind the line quite a lot and they, they're giving you the ball. And I remember playing against St. Helens and I had no time whatsoever and they just kept coming and coming and we got hammered. And I remember saying to Pauly, I'm struggling and we had a bit of a a bit of a heated debate after the game. And I, I, I've, I've said this uh, in the press before. So there was a time that probably it, it, it won't going to work. And I probably bit the bullet. And uh, as you, you probably know, I'm, I'm quite stubborn. But I bit the bullet and said, look, I'll, I'll play how you want me to play. And then I think that a key part of this, I moved over. I was playing right side. Um, and I moved over to Shenton's side, which is left side. And then I reckon that probably was the making of it. Um, Shenny knows the he knows how we want to play. He knows um, the game inside out, and I think that was uh, a real big, big part of of why it worked. And then we've kind of never looked back since from that round four. Is that I mean, sitting in a meeting with you know your, your peers, people who you respect, and saying, you know, I can't handle how you're asking me to play. That's got to be a fairly, fairly big thing to do because you you kind of in a way. Having to swallow your pride to do that, especially if you are as stubborn as you say you are. <laughs> so you've got to feel quite 
comfortable, confident that you, you know, you you you're seen as a senior player by then to be able to say that, don't you? Yeah. Well, look, I think the halfback in the team um, is is that player anyway, and I, I I'm real vocal. If I don't think something's right, I, I'd say it. And I can remember I was struggling. I, I was struggling to play how they wanted me to play, and Pal is like, "Trust me, trust me, we'll get it." And I did trust him. And I'd say the, the, the rest is history. And like I say, I just think that move, and I think it were Pauly and Shenton's call to kind of move me to left edge. Um, I think they'd been working on it uh, behind my back and they'd been saying, look, I want you to take him on left edge. And uh, we laugh, to be fair, we'd, we'd laughed about it a few times as the years went on. And uh, I would say it's a massive. And then from there, I think I got, I got Dream Team then, three consistent years, uh, 15, 16, 17. Uh, and then three Albert Goldforts on the trot as well. So um, I just think it, it it kind of all works and it all comes together, playing with great players uh, who, who kind of make space for me as well. Uh, teamed the back up with Dorney. Um, and then throughout that, as I say, Shenton, Paul McShane come in, Zach Hardacre come in. And then it, it just all, it all fit, fit in and it, it worked perfectly. I mean, you're talking about two belting players there, Luke Dorn. What a reader of the game. And Zach Ardek are just a, a, an instinctive, natural, freakish sort of talent. Yeah, look, I think Donny's, it was fantastic. And Donny retired in 16, um, I think 2016. And we were like, you could go again here. We know he could go again. He was, he was silky. And it was like, wow, who are we going to sign now? And then we ended up getting Zach, who, a former man of steel, uh, and that's kind of when, uh, in 17, it all kind of uh, come together. And I always say this, I remember we went on a warm weather training camp. And I think 16, we, we, we just fell short again, but we knew we'd been building and, and had the nucleus of good squad. We added a couple in, we, added, we brought Zach in, uh, and then Paul McShane, obviously, um, another year on his back and knew how it just all fit in seamlessly. And I remember pre-season 2017, we go to Club La Santa in Lanzarote and it was probably the best week's training I've ever had as a, as a professional athlete. I remember just how, how good and how quick and we were playing with the ball. And I remember I come home from that trip and I was like, we've got a serious team here. I've never, just the fluidity in attack um, is, it's, it, it was impressive, and it was impressive to watch. And then it was impressive to watch that season, so it clearly was no surprise to you to do what you did that season because you, although the end product, um, which we'll come back to in a moment, you know, didn't quite happen for you, the rest of it that preceded that, I mean, you won that by, in, in, in racing parlance, as, you know, we both love our, our GGs, <laughs> won that by a distance, didn't you, the, the legal issue? Yeah. It was, and I think we were playing a game that I don't think I'm not. I don't think I'm speaking out of term. I don't think anyone's played footy like that. Um, it, it was just a different way of um, of playing, and we just we were in that much of a groove that year that um, it was fantastic. And everyone, I just think everyone knew the rules so well, and we'd been working. Um, We'd been working to try and get there and it all just fit into place that year. Um, and I think we had six or seven players who all had career best seasons. Um, and that combined, as I say, we won 
we won the league leaders pretty convincingly. Um, and then, look, we fell, we fell at the final hurdle in the big one, uh, the challenge, uh, the, the the grand final at Old Trafford. And still, it it still gets me to this day. I, I have, I, I'm good friends with Danny Maguire, and I give him a bit of. Um, a bit of stick about it and honestly it's, look it, it was a strange it was a strange setup. Um, Zach being done before the game didn't help um, and I just think we, we kind of played the conditions massively wrong and I've said this on camera if for anything I'd learn how to play them conditions on a wet night there um, don't try and win by 40 points just try and win the game um, and uh, it, 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 it really, it was disappointing, honestly. It took me quite a while to get over. It took me ages to even watch the game again. Um, but I would, I would say now it's made me a better player for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, you could, you could never have ruled Leeds out going into that game. And, and probably, actually, um, and there's no... Um, coaching or sporting thought if you like going into this comment it's more a case of you'd already beaten them four times I think that season haven't you how many times yeah. are you going to beat Leeds five times or any other team five times in a year there's a bit of a law of averages thing comes into this there is I suppose that is a, a great a law, law of average that, and not only beat them I think we, we played them off the park as well uh, I reckon we were probably, and the, the, the Leeds lads have had, uh, would say we're a thirty-point better team than them that that season. But on the big occasion, they've done it. They've been there. They've played the conditions. Magsy has been there that many times, and he played the conditions perfectly. We lose Zach. We put Greg Eden there, and we still try and play the way we played all year. I suppose a bit like maybe our Bielsa's playing at Leeds now. We probably only knew that way and that way of being expansive and, and putting a show on. Um, now, whenever you see a grand final, I don't think they rarely won like that. If I look back throughout the, the 20, 20 odd years of the Super League, they rarely won uh, uh, like that. They, they're always close games, they're, they're built on a kicking game built on high completions. I think we made like 15 errors or more than 15 errors. Might have even been 19 errors. And that don't win you a, a league game, let alone a, a, a final. So lessons learned, 100%. Um, and yeah, I still give Magsy a bit of... Uh, bit of uh, it, it was just all aligned for Magsy that night. It, it, the, the, the stars were in the sky for uh, Danny's, um, Danny's swan song. Yeah, and what's it like then? That that you know, you got that relationship with with Magsy. I know you've done your, your racehorse ownership with him, and you've got more of that to come. Um, but when you played against each other in a in a massive game like that, and you are mates, is there much conversation ever takes place about it afterwards? Oh. Is, he, is he a bit too tentative to, to take the Mickey out of you, and you don't really want to talk about it either? Or what? no, no, it don't. I remember that, and I, I'd be the first one to congratulate him after the grand final. Um, I knew it meant a lot to him, that one. Um, he, he, he was going. He, he knew he was leaving Leeds. And to go off like that, I think, he, he, I know how much it meant to him. And look, I played a few times against that year. Him and Paul McShane, uh, we'd all go for a coffee around where we where we lived. And uh, Paul 
Paul is the grubbiest player you could ever wish to. Um, and I remember saying to him during games, I'd say, I want you to get him today. And uh, him and Magsy had got each other that good. And uh, they fell out that many times on pitch because Maka just hits in late or he, he nearly broke his nose one game. And I remember they were going, two good good friends of each other's. And they were, they, they were nearly toe-to-toe. And I remember um, Maka just used to... So I remember Danny and Maka had the... Had many a good battle, to be fair. He <laughs> um, did the same with me, actually. He did the same with me earlier on this year. Uh, everywhere I looked, he were, he were after me. So uh, that's just how he plays, and and and, and that's how he is as a character. That's, that's one of the great things I think about about the sport is that you know you see lads who are clearly mates. Sometimes you don't even know before you watch them go up against each other that they are mates, and yeah. they could be worst enemies the way you see them. Uh, interact on the field but they shake hands and have a beer afterwards and it, it's just an amazing sport for yeah. the respect that people have got for fellow professionals that's how it is and that's how it's always been you can go and and, and you'd want to kill them after the game you'd want to kill them through the game but but yeah after, after the game you shake their hand and and that's how it is and i think that's that's the that's a sport in general that's how it's played it's a tough sport you're gonna go you do everything to win, but as soon as the whistle goes for 80 minutes, you're friends again. Uh, and that's what I love. I can't recall any situations, but are you are you going to admit to ever being a bit naughty on the field, you know, getting a, a little cheap yeah. win when the, when the cameras are not on you? No, I suppose... I suppose I'll probably say I'm uh, cocky or... I, the fans give me a bit of stick and they say that I... Um, I'm dirty, but I'm not dirty. I'm just, I, I'm just probably annoying to play against, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. And you like it that way? Yeah, I like it that way. I do, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I'm a competitor and I want to win, so um, I'd probably do anything to win. Um, so when it's like that, you kind of rub people up the wrong way. Um, me and Zach at uh, the semi-final this year, I remember me and Zach having a bit of a go, and I remember texting him after the game. Um, Saying look, what what we what we're carrying on at like I'm eighty five kilos wet through and <laughs> you know what I mean that's I suppose I, and, and we had a laugh after the game but it got quite heated during the game and I'm like what what we're we doing here but I suppose that's how it is Zach's the exact same Zach will do anything to win um, you saw that this year for Wigan I thought he were outstanding what's different at, uh, at Headingley then compared to everywhere else you've played at. Um, Look, the, the move come about and I thought that my time at Cass were great. I'd had the injury and I'd done five years there. And then for me, the kind of the, the move back home made complete sense. Uh, I wanted I wanted it to happen. Um, I'd, I'd love my time at Cass. I, I, I'm grateful for everything um, that they've done for me, the coaches, the players. I've got a lot of friends there still. But when the move come about to Leeds, it was just, it was a no-brainer, to be honest. Uh, and the more it kind of, the more I sat on it, the more the more I wanted it. Um, it just made complete sense. And, and I, I felt like I was a perfect fit for them as well. Um, I, I knew that the, the, I could make a different sort of thing. I knew that I'd be a good fit and, and I wanted the move. Uh, and they did as well. And look, 
thankfully, it come off. And uh, I just think that, look, you go to Leeds, you look at the Headingley on a Friday night, the stadium's immaculate, the training facilities are fantastic. And it just, it just felt like I was coming home, to be honest. And I'm real thankful that I got to do it as well. Um, was, um, was, it, was there an element then that you've kind of gone as far as you could go as a unit at CAS because that was the biggest opportunity of the lot, wasn't it? 2017 Grand Final. And when that's gone and something like this opportunity comes up, is that all the more easier decision to make? It's not like you've gone back in 2018 and then won it. And so you've got, you've established, if you like, an era at Castleford. It was, yeah, a, I think, was I moment, think, yeah, I think it was just a perfect time for me to move. Um, as I say, I'd been injured as well um, quite a lot the last 18 months at Castleford. And I just, I probably needed the move myself to freshen me up. Um, and that was the biggest, that, that, was, that was the single most biggest factor. I wanted the move and I knew that I, I, to move to Leeds would freshen my mindset and would freshen me up massively. Um, and that's why... That was the single most biggest influence, uh, myself. And then from a personal point of view, you know, you've talked about the gut-wrenching 2017 Grand Final and how much of of that, uh, the impact that that had on you as an individual player to set things right when you get your next opportunity in a final at Wembley in October 2020 and you come out a winner, not only a winner, but the fella who dinks over that um, that winning point. What? what? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable feeling. Absolutely unbelievable. And I think the journey at Leeds as well, um, go to Leeds, Rich Agar done a fantastic job. We're, we're kind of a new group. Um, they'd come from a couple of barren years and not where they want to be. Um, so I'm proud of the journey we've been on already. Uh, being only been there a year, the lads are fantastic. The coaching staff are fantastic. Everyone at the club's fantastic, and just to kind of the bowed out against Bradford, and I would say I won't part involved with Leeds then, but I would say that I'd be one of the most what's the word humiliated? I would say uh, for Bradford to get bragging rights on Leeds. Um, I think that was one of Richie's first job, first jobs as a coach, uh, as a Leeds coach. So for how far the groups come in a short period of time, Rich did a fantastic job in um, in pre-season in Lanzarote. We got the boys tight. So then to go out, I led the boys out, uh, being captain of my uh, hometown club were massive. And, and to get the job done on that big stage, um, was fantastic, yeah. And just how the game went, it was... I'm not sure what it was like to watch. I've actually watched it back a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I felt like we was in control. The game plan was fantastic. With The points on the board didn't say that. It was a tight game. But then the second half, we were like, wow. It, it, I honestly thought we'd, we'd, we'd kind of thrown it away. Um, they got a try-off of Richie Myler's error and I remember getting Myler and saying, look, we'll go down here, you'll get to try back and we'll win it. So how the game, I suppose it's all the drama of a Challenge Cup final. That's what I'm trying to say. 
and missed the drop goal, missed missed one to the right, and I got another opportunity a few minutes later, and uh, I didn't miss with that one. And and even then, I'd still there were no emotion after that uh, drop goal because I knew the game wasn't over. I knew I would say we were quite tense. It, we're a young side. Uh, there were a lot of tension built up. Um, and no, it, it was just a, it was a whole the drama of all that and what's gone beyond. I can remember just a final whistle, and it, it it was just an unreal feeling. Yeah. Well, back with Luke Gale in just a moment. Uh, you're listening to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Deutsch. Thanks for your company, and uh, you can keep up to date with um, all the latest launches of the podcast, whether that is on YouTube or on. Uh, Podbean or iTunes by following me on at Sporting Lives One on Twitter. Also, a Facebook page, Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge, is on the same handle at Sporting Lives One. You can go to the website, which is uh, www.jonathandoidge.com, and uh, you can, of course, get in touch as well with your thoughts on these podcasts and any guests you'd like to hear or see in the future by sending me an email on Jonathan Doidge at hotmail.com. Loads more great content up there on the channel. But for now, let's jump back into episode nine, part two, with the story I mean, the of Luke generation Gale. We referred to, they have to start winning sometime. Could it be um, the start of a, a second wave? Why not? Why not? Yeah, I think I think that did, that did take a lot of emotion out of us. And I think we'd never quite... The, the next eight games after that, we never quite hit our straps. The Wigan game before that, I thought was outstanding. That was a performance of the year. And I reckon that would that, that give Wigan a kick up the backside as well because they looked a different animal after that. They looked a different beast altogether. Um, and then we kind of never hit our straps after that. And look, I think there's valid reason for it. I'm, I'm not saying I'm accepting it, or but we'd kind of hit that emotion of, Look, it's been a tough year. The, the COVID's been, it's hit the game massively and playing with no fans is, is terrible. It's its not nice. We've just done the best we can. And I think rugby league need commending on that. The powers that will be, we've got, the, we've got the game on, but it's not great. It's not great to play in. Um, so we'd kind of hit that high of Wembley and it's like, I remember coming in on Tuesday or Wednesday after, it's like, we've got to go again here, boys. Um, and that's even harder with no fans. Yeah, I think and there's a lot made of this year on year in, in rugby league. Um, there are a lot of very good sides who won at Wembley and then their form has dropped off. And, and with respect to the current Leeds squad, probably more successful, uh, better sides maybe in the history of Super League than what you've got at the moment, who've had a storming season, gone to Wembley and won, and then they've dropped off before grand final time. So you could definitely, as a fairly new bunch of players, be forgiven for that, I think. At the end of the day, yeah. there's only three trophies you can win and you got one of them. Yeah, I mean, Tom Briscoe um, said that he's been at Leeds a lot of years and I, I think he can only remember winning once after the Challenge Cup final. So he's won, the, the following week, he's only won one game out of how many times they've got there. So, no, I do think it's, I do think it took a lot out of us uh, emotionally more than physically. And this with COVID as well, I think it, it was even tighter to the end of the year than it normally is. Um, obviously, it's normally in, is it in August, I think, normally? 
the Challenge Cup yeah, final. It was supposed to be in July this year, wasn't it? Until was it? Yeah, it was meant to be July. Yeah, and then obviously, um, so look, and I think what happened then we got beat by Catalan. Um, I didn't think we were great that game. I think uh, I, I thought we were probably. I still thought at a point we were going to probably nick it. Um, we lost two middles early on, which which kind of didn't help. But I do think the initial point was the team. I thought St. Ellen's and Wigan set down the platform in that grand final. I thought they was outstanding. And they set the platform of what we need to be next year. Um, and we know where we need to be. We know where we need to improve. Um, so I think they set the benchmark, that grand final, against each other. Because I thought it was a fantastic game and a great advert for Super League. They set the benchmark of where we want to get to. Yeah, that was, I mean, we referred to your drop goal at Wembley. Um, we haven't even mentioned your drop goal at Weldon Road against Cast. That's uh, against the uh, Saints that night. Um, you know what it's all about with dramatic last-minute winners, and, and nothing more dramatic than what we saw at, um, at Holy Week. It, it was honestly, it was one of the 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 best games I've ever watched. And there weren't many tries, but there was the defence was outstanding. I thought Wigan's goal line D were fantastic, and and Saints, to be fair, didn't look like scoring. Um, and then on the hooter, Tommy Makinson steps up. And look, you know when they've got a chance to drop goals, as soon as they come off the boot. And it looked like it were, uh, it, it were going over then. It, it was just the, the drama of that. I mean, I was watching it uh, with Kirby in here in my house. And I can remember, I couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom what had happened. It, it was just fantastic. And... I thought it brought the, the the curtain down on a fantastic season, and they need applauding St. Erlans and, and Wigan for for that spectacle. And I remember you watch it and you think, look, that's a level you've got to be at next year. I think defensively as well. Look, I don't want to get too political on this um, on this podcast because, well, I just don't really. Um, but I think <laughs> you know whatever you say about the about the administrators in the game and. You know, historically, rugby league fans like to carp on at that, and, and often with good reason. I just think that the players, time and again, save the game. They they do the best possible promotion for the sport, and you could not get a better advert than what you saw that night. Yeah, I, I remember seeing tweets from people, boxers, celebrities, and I think anyone who watches sport, who likes sport, you watch eight, that for 80 minutes, you're going to be entertained. Um, so I did, I can remember doing a piece after that, just commending how, how good both teams were. I thought Wigan were fantastic. I thought a bit unlucky as well. I thought they showed a lot of character um, and for for just just an all-round great game. And it's, it, as I say, one of the best games I've ever witnessed and it, it's done rugby league the world of good. And um, no fair play, take me out of them. We kept you on for a while, so we're, we're actually asking you a few more things because there's yep. so much for your career to talk about. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a great pleasure for me to be able to do this with you, and I, and I do thank you once again for your time, Luke. But we haven't even mentioned Man of Steel 2017 when I was stepping back a little bit here, but to win that accolade where it is now voted for by your fellow professionals and a, you know, a stellar panel, you mentioned Ellery Hanley um, earlier on, what what was that like, and especially for the boy who had to leave Leeds? Yeah, it, it look it was it was a fantastic night, it, it, and, and to be it kind of didn't sink in. And I said this to 
was speaking about it the other week, actually. I think it was to Cam Smith. It probably didn't sink in until after the season and because it's so close to, I think it's the same week as the grand final. Uh, it was the same week. So you kind of, you can't celebrate it too much. Well, you can't celebrate it all because you know on Saturday your main focus is playing in the grand final. So when the dust settles, um, it, it's something that can never be taken away from you. And uh, I, I'm real proud of that. I remember sat around the table with Zach. Zach was nominated for it as well. Um, and to be fair, Zach was the first person to get up and congratulate me. I think Albert Kelly was the was the other one, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it it's the only trophy I'm actually allowed in the house as well. So it's um, it's the only trophy that's on show. Uh, all the rest... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hid in the way the wife don't let them out. So, uh, yeah, it's the only one that I'm allowed on show. So, uh, it, it shows. I, look, I think it's fantastic. And it, there's so many good players, great players that have won the trophy and um, your name's forever with them. So, it, it's something I'm really proud of. Yeah, uh, and rightly so. And then World Cup final. I mean, we're jumping straight through the tournament there. And what a tournament yeah. that was. Uh, and and so agonisingly close to being, you know, if you're not, well, you are, you already are a hero to many people. Um, but you know, to being able to get your hands on that trophy, God, you, how how long did it take you to come down um, after the final that day? Because that was it took me and many of the viewers. I was at Headingley watching it on a big screen in, inside the uh, the cafe bar there. Brilliant atmosphere and the tension was unbelievable. You know. 12,000 miles away or whatever it is, but to be there. Oh. I just think the the whole year that you've actually said there, I think, so I've gone from Man of Steel, um, then you go from disappointment, sorry, <laughs> disappointment in the um, in the grand final. Then I think four days after, I flew out to Australia for the, for the World Cup. Um, and the whole tournament was fantastic. Um, Wayne Bennett were great. He... Um, we stayed at all different cities, how it worked. We went uh, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, down to New Zealand. And we got to see everywhere of, of Australia and, and New Zealand. It was fantastic. Played some good footy along the way. The semi-final itself was unreal. Uh, the atmosphere and the game there. Probably the best atmosphere I've ever been involved in. It was electric. Uh, I couldn't see one English supporter. It was... <laughs> Honestly, it was it was all just Tongan support, but fantastic. Uh, the emotion of that game, the late the late no try try, um, mm. that that was fantastic. And then to get to the big one, and I think that was the first time. The, the, it was probably the toughest game I've ever played, if I'm honest. Um, just set for set for set, um, and I realised that's what it takes to be at that that, that top level and. To go down by the narrow, narrowest of margins, Callum breaks, and it's like um, it, it was just it, the 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 whole event was, was fantastic. But yeah, we 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 come up short, um, and it was disappointing. But I was proud of of how we played and how we handled ourselves. Really, Did, can you reflect on that and just feel that you've been part of something incredibly special when you lose a final by the narrowest of margins? Yeah, look, no one remembers the losers, if I'm honest. And uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll just fast forward. Hopefully, I can be part of the the one coming up 
next year we've got uh, a new coach, Sean Wayne. We've had uh, many good chat with Sean Wayne. I think he's he'll, he'll be great for the job. You know how much passion he's got. Um, so we want to make amends and go, 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 go win it this year in our own country. And I think we we have every right to, um, and I think we can. But rewinding back, I, I do feel I do feel proud of of you're in their back garden, and I think we travelled everywhere. We we as I say every week it was a different city. Um, and and to then culminate in, in Brisbane at the Suncorp and go down by the narrowest of margins. And you, look, you were absolutely spent. I remember it was the toughest game, as I said, I've never been part of. But then you, you're disappointed, but then the, the pride comes out and, and you're proud of of how 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 we how we played and, and how we went down. We went down on the sword. Um uh, hopefully we get to make amends um in, in twenty twenty one. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. I'm sure they'll be working hard on that and, and hard on making sure you're um, first choice at seven Definitely. because, as you say, a new coach, you never quite know, do you? Um, no, def- definitely not. Um, he's, we've got some great halfbacks. George's gone over there. George Williams being fantastic. Johnny Lomax over here. So, look, I suppose if you're playing well, you pick yourself sort, sort of thing. And if, if you're playing that well that, that Sean kind of can't keep you out of the team. I suppose that's what all 17 will, will want to do, come put their hand up for the um, for the World Cup squad. Yeah, and we'll wish you a, uh, an injury-free 2021 season, whatever happens. We're, we're yeah, not, definitely. not going to make any predictions on when and if you're going to be playing and all the rest of it because we don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, yeah. hopefully we'll get a full season in starting in March and it'll be a, a great end to a, a wonderful time. Um, anything that you would change about what's been a superb career so far? No, but while we're on the England, I wouldn't change this thing, but while we're on the England, I, I feel that I've not played my best in an England shirt, uh, and I'd be the first to admit that. Uh, I said this to Wayne, actually. I don't feel like I've, I've done myself justice. Um, for whatever reason, I just don't think I've quite grasped it. Um, the... So I know I've got kind of unfinished business in an England shirt. Um, I, I want to go there, uh, put that England shirt on and, and make a difference. So I, I wouldn't change anything, but if I've got one thing, I, I know that I, I, I can. I, I want to to play for England. I want to. I, I want to play to how I know I can play. So that's probably one thing through my career that. Um, that that I would change it, not change it. I think change the wrong word. I, I know that I've I've not done myself justice and not played to the top of my potential. So that's one thing. Hopefully, I get another crack twenty twenty one, and I go out and play for Wayne and, and, and do myself justice and do my country justice as well. Interesting. Okay. Um, so there is still uh, there are still things on a personal and team level for for Luke Gale to, to want to achieve. Um, let's just talk if we can uh, to, to wrap things up really on the number seven the iconic number seven shirt at Headingley and and obviously we touched on right at the top of the piece um, my first recording with Francis Cummins last year on the day that uh, it was put out on a press release that Rob Burrow was diagnosed with with MND um, what does it mean to you in the first place to be able to to wear 
that shirt that he graced so often and so successfully in his time? Yeah, look, how it, how it transpired, obviously signing for Leeds and, and number seven and the news come out about, about Rob. Um, it, I, I, I said this quite early on and I remember I played against Rob probably throughout all my career, played against him in that number seven jersey and just the way he played the game, he, he played tough, he fought above his size and he, he was just a warrior. And, and that's hard to say about a, a guy that's that small, but he, he, he was a warrior. And I said, if I could do half, not even a quarter of much what he's done, but if I can go out there and play the same way that he played, I'd be proud. Um, and I just, I, I do feel a, a, a huge sense of pride, um, even watching the, the, the awards last night um, and the, the meta reference of number seven, um, and, and it makes me feel proud uh, and the ways he's fighting M&D um, is exactly as he played on the field. And I just think the way he's kind of opened his life up uh, just uh, is it, fantastic to get the um, M&D to try and find a cure. I think the way he's done that is, is commendable. Uh, his wife and his family are doing a great job as well. So I, I have every admiration for him. I know... Um, a lot of our team uh, played with him. Uh, a lot of the coaches did as well. So uh, it kind of hit home this year, and it—it's it, been a—it's been a tough year all around. And I just think the way that, that the rugby league community has got together, the way that Rob's handled himself is is, is absolutely commendable, and it's um, it, it's fantastic. I think it was capped beautifully last night on on the Sports Person of the Year awards. And yeah, it makes me it makes me proud to wear the number seven. It makes me proud of the club that leads Rhinos as well, and proud of our sport as well. And at the same time, incredibly sad because you know you you're in the thick of it yourself out there. You know the knocks that you take as a player. We we don't know exactly what cause causes MND, but. You know the sort of um, stuff that Rob took as a player being so small uh, and you do start to think to yourself, maybe that's got something to do with it. Is that something that even yourself has, you know, has it crossed your mind about your own physical and mental well-being? Not for one second, no. And I think whenever you step out there on the whitewash from being six years old to when you retire... I don't think you take a second's care for your self-regard. And I would say that through the whole of rugby league. Um, it's not even in question. I mean, you'll put your, your head in places where they're not meant to go. You'll, uh, at the, the chance of winning a rugby game, you'd, you'd, you'd put your body anywhere. And I don't think, as I say, as a, as a rugby player, it would ever be questioned what, what you do on a rugby pitch. Um, my wife might be, my fiance might be, say a bit different. I'd say, I'd come home with a broken rib, or I'd come home with something like a little cut on my eye. And in my kids now, uh, she'd say, "Dad, you can't, you can't, you can't play today, Dad." I remember playing with stitches, and she was saying, "Dad, you can't play. You've got stitches in your eye." Um, so I suppose on that level, it, it's different. But I think as soon as each player crosses a whitewash, you you have no um, regard. For your own body. Without wanting to wind on too quickly, but I think we should just finish off by saying where you see your future. Hopefully, if we have this conversation 12 months to the day, you'd be a World Cup winner by then. Um, we don't know, but 
what about when rugby league finishes? Have you got any longer term plans for that? Is it something you don't want to consider yet? Is it coaching? Yeah. Is it something else? Yeah, it's it's not that you don't want to consider it. You have to. Um, you know, you know, your time is going to come uh, one day. Look, the coaching side of it. I, I love the game. Uh, I think about the game a lot. So I do think, as a coach, I could have something to offer. Uh, whether I'd want to run the team, I'm not. I'm not so sure. Um, it's. Uh, it seems a pretty stressful job at times. Um, I've got other interests away from the sport. Um, I, I love my horses. Uh, um, quite like property and stuff like that. So I, I have other interests away from the sport, but um, it's it's not even, yeah. Uh, I had the conversation with my daughter actually um, of retirement or she, and, and she didn't really get it. And I said, she, she asked me and I said, look, I can't do this forever. Like this, you can't do it forever. And she said, when, when will you retire then, dad? And I said, I don't know. I've, I've got, I've got a few more years left in me. And she can't grasp me retiring. She thinks I'm going to do this forever, which I, I wish I could do it forever. And I, I remember I tried to explain to a six-year-old that at one time you you do have to walk away and you do have to hang your boots. Up. Um, but like I say, I've I've I feel like I've I've got plenty left in me at, at this moment in time. I actually been training today. I look back at my injuries last year, and if I rewind to last year. I'm at a probably 20-30% better place now than where I was last year. Um, uh, I feel like I'm hitting me, me things in the gym, my strength in the gym that I hit back in 17. So I do feel like I've got I've got miles more to give and I know uh, the Leeds team that I'm in at the minute, I know it's a good team, it's a young team. And I suppose I probably won't be happy, Jonathan, until we get the, the league leaders ring. And that's that. That's when I retire, a happy man, and a World Cup as well. The World the World Cup in twenty twenty one. That's that's a huge goal. So when you've done all that, and you're not small, but you're not one of the bigger players in in, in the league. And with your passion for racing, you know, do a bit of wasting, go off and <laughs> win an Ascot Gold Cup. He'd <laughs> have to put a bit overweight, a bit up overweight the uh, the jockey. I don't reckon I could get down to. Uh, uh, I might do twelve stone, uh, top weight of a big handicap. But um, no, I love I, I love the racing game, as you well know. Um, I have a couple of interests outside of it. Um, starting to get into the, the breeding side as well. So um, I did see Billy Slater this week. He's he's selling one at uh, a big sale in Australia. Magic Millions, a real world bred horse. Uh, I think that might go for a few quid as well. So um, no, it, I I have I have. Great interest, as I say, the racing is is a huge passion of mine, and I'm sure we'll speak about it in uh, in, in years to come. Yep, um, Borough Seven that brings us nicely to that, I suppose, as well, and something that we've both got an interest in, and hopefully we might see him win a race next year. Fantastic, yeah, I think um, the whole syndicate as a as a whole is fantastic. Um, it's exciting. It kind of brings everyone together, and uh, it, I think he when he when when the horse hits the track, I think there'll be um, huge coverage on, on the horse. Um, so hopefully he, he lives up to his name, say. I hope so. Luke, um, we've kept you a long time, but uh, this is going to be split up into several parts, I think, now. 
Um, but it's been an absolute joy talking to you, uh, listening to what you've got to say about all those experiences. You've entertained us massively on the field and now off it as well. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, we wish you um, an injury-free rest of your career and hope that you can achieve everything that you still want to achieve. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. So there we have it, the story of Luke Gale and a fascinating one as well from South Leeds uh, all the way back to the Leeds Rhinos and uh, we wish him every success in what remains of his career. Uh, loads more to come on Sporting Lives in the new year, so stick with me. We've got Danny Maguire coming up very soon on Sporting Lives. Also, uh, England women's cricketing legend Jenny Gunn will be with us in the next few weeks, as will the legendary former National Hunt jockey Richard Pittman, who will ever forget that race between Red Rum and Chris for the 1973 Grand National, if you've ever seen it. Uh, loads of stories to tell from both his uh, career in the saddle and from a stellar broadcasting career with the BBC and more recently the likes of uh, At The Races. Looking forward to recording all those three. Please do stick with me by subscribing on at Sporting Lives 1 on Twitter or at Sporting Lives 1 on Facebook or uh, indeed subscribing to the YouTube channel um, or to Podbean or iTunes so you can get all the latest episodes as soon as they go up online. Thanks once again for your company. I've been Jonathan Deutsch, and I'll see you very soon on Sporting Lives.